like to sample the salt air. Uh, but be careful of that kelp over there, see, because it's got a... Uh... Mind of its own. Hello, friends, and welcome in to this, the 230th edition of Fusebox, tantalizingly entitled Chowderhead. I'm your living in the now, but still planning a picnic lunch for the weekend host, Mark Rose, and over there, awash in a blue-green sea fog of his own design, <laughs> is the high pooba of the parametric Milt Keynes, everybody. Well, thank you kindly. You know, you still got a little of that uh, nautical vibe going on, yeah? <laughs> Guilty as charged, Mr. Keynes. Well, you know, I know we talked a bit about your trip to the uh, Newport Jazz Festival before the show here, but uh, it went well, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, I had a terrific time in New England and uh, spent it with some very dear friends who uh, know that area backwards and upside down and a little sideways on the side. So I was in very, very good hands. Well, I know that was, that was kind of a bucket list item for you, right? Uh, the Newport Jazz Festival? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it surely was. Been wanting to attend this thing since uh, I was, I don't know, probably 17 years old. Wow. So, before the invention of electricity, then? Mr. Keynes. <laughs> now, you know for a fact that they were well into steam locomotion by this time. But I digress. The Newport Jazz Festival, uh, if you're not aware, has been uh, going on for about 69 years and was actually first started by Elaine Lorillard and her husband in 1954. Sometimes people think George Ween started this, but actually it, it, it goes back a lot farther. She was a big-time jazz fan, and uh, there are pictures of her with Duke Ellington and uh, others, and I believe she was also a benefactor to uh, many of them as well. Uh, but the uh, first one, the first uh, jazz festival, was held at the Newport Casino in the fabled historic district of Bellevue. Yeah, it's got some history too, man. I mean, uh, wasn't there like a, a, a riot or something back in uh, 1960? <laughs> yeah, probably one of the most uh, famous incidents uh, of the festival, actually. Yeah. It seems that in 1960, the uh, local papers reported a string of uh, violent, but minor, incidents uh, in town on the opening day of the festival, which would have been uh, Friday, July 1st, 1960. Then Saturday, evidently, was much worse, with thousands of people unable to enter the sold-out shows, and so they're roaming the city streets and uh, end up battling with police. It's been reported that some 200 people were arrested, which, yeah, for that little place was a town record. Uh, the National Guard was called in, and uh, then by Sunday, word got out that the uh, festival would uh, actually be canceled. Um, poet Langston Hughes, and this was uh, something I, I uncovered while researching this, 
He was attending this event, and uh, he wrote an impromptu lyric called Goodbye Newport Blues and brought it up to Muddy Waters, who was headlining the Sunday Blues presentation. And then then they uh, announced a spontaneous performance of the piece with pianist Otis Spann leading the band, uh, which would have been <laughs> a thing to see. And, and evidently, and I've, I've, I've never heard this recording, but the uh, Nashville All-Stars retreated to their uh, rented mansion on the property there and evidently had recorded a live album on its porch called After the Riot at Newport. <laughs> so uh, that would be something to find. But, uh, but on Monday the 4th, uh, the last two days of the festival were indeed canceled. Wow. Yeah, it, it's got a storied past. And uh, it moved around a lot, too. Uh, even ending up in uh, New York for a spell. The, the 1969 one, though, is the one that certainly marked uh, a turning point. Now, wasn't Led Zeppelin at that one, too? Yes, sir. And Jimi Hendrix and Miles Davis. And uh, Davis said it was his uh, favorite Newport Festival to play at that year, uh, mainly because of the emerging new talent playing there, like, for instance, Jethro Tull, Jeff Beck, 10 years after. As a matter of fact, um, Saturday's schedule mixed uh, jazz acts such as uh, Dave Brubeck and the uh, aforementioned Miles Davis with rock, blues, and R&B artists like uh, John Mayall, Sly and the Family Stone, and even, yes, and here it comes, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. What? Yep. FZ was there, buddy. Huh. Well, so, any riots at your show? <laughs> no, thankfully. A uh, very well-behaved, uh, albeit crowded audience. I, I really think they're starting to uh, once again uh, outgrow the space, which uh, since uh, 1981 has been held at Fort Adams State Park, a, a pretty spacious area, yet the uh, stage areas of which there are four this year are always packed with folks. And uh, you, you do have to walk a good bit to get to uh, one of those stages. So, you know, we, we got in our exercise for sure. Well, you know, th this is just the third one since the plague, so I'm betting a lot of folks just wanted to get the hell out and go to something. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're correct, uh, uh, because both Saturday and Sunday were totally sold out. Uh, I got to say, too, that uh, I had the uh, delightful duty of being a kind of musical director for the two days we attended the festival and uh, sort of cherry-pick the acts, you know, that might be good to see. Uh, because unlike the Waterfront Blues Festival, which is held out here in the other Portland every year, the uh, acts tend to overlap at Newport. So you might have to leave a little before one act uh, finishes to get to the other stage and find a decent seat, <laughs> if you can. Uh, big crowds aren't new, though. Uh, part of the reason they moved this thing so often was uh, that they were seeing 50,000 folks or more on several occasions. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, what I do know was that headliners for both Saturday and Sunday were both amazing performances. Saturday was uh, John Batiste. You may know him as the former musical director for uh, Stephen Colbert's Late Show on CBS. But John's set <laughs> was, to say the least, 
A spiritual volcano. I, I, I say, I, he just set that place on fire. Now, not literally, though, right? I mean, it was hot out there. No, 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 no. Uh, come to think of it, though, I remember remarking <laughs> that the rather oppressive heat of the day seemed to actually abate a few degrees as he took the stage, but it heated up on stage for sure. If he comes anywhere near you, friends, do yourself a huge favor and see him. Uh, You'll walk out of there feeling spiritually and uh, maybe even physically renewed. Quite a talented guy. And uh, who was the Sunday closer? None other than Herbie Hancock. Holy carp! Yeah, a national musical treasure. Uh, This guy, I think, is in his... uh, mid-80s, maybe, and is as vital and musically progressive now as uh, he ever was. A great band as well. Uh, they are traveling around <laughs> and and are actually scheduled to come out here in September, and I think I just might catch that again, as uh, the sets uh, are a wee condensed for time due to the amount of acts to fill the day, but uh, his set was most memorable, and of course, He had to do the crowd pleaser, and if you're familiar with uh, Mr. Hancock's uh, music, you'll know, Chameleon. And, of course, he gave it a new twist here and there, just just fabulous. It was great, great to see him. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Yeah, it was, in a very, very big way. Uh, And and to me, a kind of privilege to see this thing. And uh, we'll take a short reset here, and uh, when we return... We'll talk about a very scary lab recently discovered that had bioengineered mice and a collection of what investigators called unknown chemicals. Huh? Preciseless. Stay with us, aren't them? That'll be fun. Hey, it's 42nd Street Pete. Listen, I don't have much time, so listen up. Grindhouse Resurrection Magazine is back, baby. So if all you depraved degenerates want to get the latest and greatest dirt on all things Grindhouse, then pick up the magazine at Mr42ndStreetPete at Yahoo.com. That's my PayPal. Just send $15 shipped to MR42ND, street spelled out, Pete spelled out, at Yahoo.com. And don't forget to leave your address. Damn, they're on to me. Freeze, scumbag! Gotta get going. This is 42nd Street Pete. Catch you on the flip side. To get your issue of Grindhouse Resurrection, go to Mr42ndStreetPete at Yahoo.com or go to hell. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. TheFuseBoxShow.com We want to thank the folks at Grindhouse Resurrection Magazine for uh, sponsoring this edition of the show. We are thrilled to have their support. And let me tell you, this magazine is the real deal. Told by folks who were there and actually lived that period of time. Yeah, I kind of dug the article that Pete wrote in the first issue there called So, You Want to Know About 42nd Street? He, he takes you on a kind of a walking tour of that area in 1978. Yeah, I'd say you can almost smell it. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, probably not, no. In any event, uh, pick up a copy and see what all the buzz is about. Uh, there is a link in the show description to do just that. So, uh, on a show or two back, we were uh, chatting about the advancement of the AI influence on our lives and uh, what, in uh, some cases, that might look like. <laughs> well, here's an interesting side pucker. You remember that guy, uh, Rupert Murdoch? Guy that owns Fox News Corporation, among other things? Sure. He's a guy that kind of looks like one of those dried-up fruit sculptures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, well, sir, it appears that the News Corp has recorded a quite steep 75% drop in full-year profits. Well, that $750 million defamation suit from that voting machine company probably didn't help. Kind of dinged them, yeah. Well, old Rupert, well, he has a plan. He sees opportunities ahead as he uh, expands the use of cost-saving AI-produced content. Ugh. Right. So, according to The Guardian... The U.S.-listed media conglomerate, which uh, owns mastheads in the U.S., U.K., and Australia, along with book publishers, subscription television, and real estate advertising assets, recorded a $187 million in-net profit for the financial year, down from the previous year's, are you ready, $760 million record. For the first time, News Corp generated more than half of its revenue from digital streams, and the media company revealed, <laughs> naturally, an upbeat assessment of the potential of generative AI capable of producing text, images, video, and other media to drive profits. The company's Australian arm recently disclosed it was producing 3,000 articles a week using generative AI. Well, at least that way, all the fake stuff they already print can be blamed on AI. <laughs> and, and all the pictures of people now can have 11 fingers on one hand. Yeah. Well, as we know, AI does a damn good job inventing facts as needed. And uh, we've got a hilarious example of that coming up in the next show. So, uh, friends... Be ever mindful of what you read these days. The Hot Wire of Science. Yes, it's another Hot Wire of Science. This time, uh, an update on a story we covered, uh, oh, geez, a while back on uh, Fusebox uh, 214, this side up, regarding the use of actual brain tissue called brain organoids to power computers. Well, back in 2022, uh, Monash University scientists created the Dish Brain, a semi-biological computer chip with uh, some 800,000 human and mouse brain cells lab-grown into its electrodes, demonstrating something like sentience. It learned to play Pong within five minutes. Yeah, better than me. I'm still trying to find the paddle. <laughs> So, so after this thing learned to play Pong, they set up a very basic reward system. So, using the fact that small clusters of brain cells uh, tend to try to minimize unpredictability in their environment. So, 
if the paddle hit the ball, the cells would receive a nice, predictable stimulus. But if it missed the ball, the cells would get four seconds of totally unpredictable stimulation. Sounds like my first marriage. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not going there with anything. It, it was the first time lab-grown uh, brain cells had been used this way, uh, being given not only a way to sense the world, but to act on it. And uh, the results were mighty impressive. Impressive enough that the uh, research undertaken in partnership with uh, Melbourne startup Cortical Labs has now attracted a $407,000 grant from Australia's National Intelligence and Security Discovery Research Grants Program. So these chips that fuse biological computing and um, artificial intelligence, uh, according to Associate Professor Adil Rabi, in the future may eventually surpass the performance of existing purely silicone-based hardware. So this is a goal, then. Yeah, it looks to be even closer to reality as this uh, military funding just put it on the fast track. So... Uh, now, we might not see any of this in uh, consumer use for a while, though. Uh, oh, I'm sure the military has plans. Oh, you can bet your bottom brain organoids on that. Uh, something here that is really disturbing, friends. They're bringing back the love boat? <laughs> no, I said disturbing, not traumatizing. <laughs> so, investigators have uh, discovered an illegal lab in California containing nearly 1,000 bioengineered mice. It, uh, it has officials concerned after uh, improperly stored tissue samples were tested and discovered to contain infectious diseases, including HIV and hepatitis. Oh, great. Yeah. Reedley city manager Nicole Zeba said... This is an unusual situation. I've been in government for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this. Evidently, the makeshift lab also contained roughly 30 refrigerators and freezers, some of which were uh, non-operational, as well as <laughs> incubators, medical testing supplies, and hundreds of mice. Several disease samples tested from the lab included infectious agents like herpes, coronavirus, E. coli, and malaria. Uh, Wang Zhaolin, a representative of the company operating the lab Prestige Biotech, <laughs> that sounds like a company waiting for a Cronenberg movie, told investigators that the mice inside the warehouse had been genetically engineered to catch and spread the COVID-19 virus according to the San Joaquin Valley Sun. Holy carp, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Creepy enough for you yet? Well, wait. NBC News reported that the warehouse came under investigation in March after a local code enforcement officer discovered a garden hose attached to a back wall of the building. As officials searched, medical devices that appeared to have been created on-site, such as COVID-19 and pregnancy tests were also discovered. Uh, NBC reported that uh, court documents related to the incident said, certain rooms of the warehouse were found to contain several vessels of liquid and various 
apparatus. Oh, no. <laughs> Fresno County public health officials also observed uh, blood, tissue, and other, other bodily fluid samples and serums and thousands of vials of unlabeled fluids and suspected biological material. You know, when shit like this happens, it's the kind of thing somebody would say that they uh, heard somewhere and they'd instantly be labeled a crackpot or a conspiracy nut. But there it is. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And and, and di- di- disturbing news for sure. And you know that if it walks like an aardvark and it barks like an aardvark... Well, that's probably Mitch McConnell off his meds again. Yeah, NBC goes on to say that nearly 800 of the mice found inside the warehouse were euthanized by officials. Um, An additional approximately 175 mice were already dead when they were discovered. The assistant director of the uh, Fresno County Department of Public Health, Joe Prado, said there were over 800 different chemicals on site in different bottles of different acids. Unfortunately, a lot of these are being categorized under unknown chemicals. Oh, that just freaks me the hell out. Yeah. Can you imagine? You know, this is the this is the kind of stuff that ends up in a uh, grade Z science fiction film, but here we are. Well, hopefully none of those unknown chemicals were uh, dumped in a water supply somewhere. Or we may just get... <sighs> well, friends, as you, uh, as you recall, we announced on the last show a new feature that is uh, coming to Fusebox, one that makes us over here giddy with delight. What the hell was that? I have no idea. But I do know that we are easily as pleased as that thing, at the arrival of the first installment of a Grindhouse Minute hosted by none other than the man himself, 42nd Street Pete. Take it away! They didn't know what kind of animal he was. They'd never seen a white man before. And he had never seen such brutality. You murderers! Murderers! I'm a human being like you! I'm a man, not a fish! And now it's time for another Grindhouse Minute with 42nd Street Pete. This is 42nd Street Pete bringing you a Grindhouse Minute. Okay, Man from Deep River, 1972, the first cannibal film where me and my buddy Big Al had no fucking clue what we were going to go see because the attraction was we were in Irvington, it was the Castle Theater, and he liked the stripper at a titty bar. But it was in the middle of the afternoon, the bar wasn't open, so we smoked some weed, go in, and we thought it was a jungle adventure, silly us. Well, it's probably infamous now with the atrocities and stuff like that, but then we got to the point where the natives were killing this girl and started eating her. And... Big Al turned around and said, this is some really fucked up shit, and I'm out of here. So he leaves, but I watched the whole thing to the end, and it was double-billed with torso, but I had to leave because it wasn't smart to leave Big Al wandering around in the condition he was in. So I took him to the titty bar and calmed him down. But this was released again as Sacrifice, and it was paired with Autopsy, and it was Joseph Brenner Associates. 
So they got their mileage out of it. But this was actually the first cannibal film directed by Umberto Lenzi, who started the whole thing. And like I said, this was retitled twice. Diodato's uh, Jungle Holocaust. I saw it as Last Survivor again. I got sucked into, uh, you know, the, the Jungle Adventure film, which was like, holy fuck. Stay safe. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs> man, oh man, thing of beauty. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. A wondrous spin on the film review, for sure. <laughs> Pete will be back next month with a review of the highly scandalous and seriously, rarely seen forced entry. Probably not the one you're thinking. So please, please be with us for that one. You know, myself, I, I've never really been into the cannibal thing. Although there was that one called uh, Debbie Does the Amazon. Yeah, where she was munching down. And with that, we'll call it a show, friends. Uh, but not before thanking our contributors to this edition of the program, Sabra May, Jeff Pollard, and the inimitable 42nd Street Pete for glorious contributions this one. Yes, and but also, Big Lee with a side of hugely thanks to our new sponsor, Grindhouse Resurrection Magazine. Please check them out. I'm for true and for certain hooked. And uh, it's chocked full of fascinating ephemera from uh, this time. And like I say, written by folks who really, honestly, down in their shoes, know this stuff, friends, and uh, lived it. Yeah, but don't be looking for crap about Friday the 13th, part 11, or Scream, part 37. This is the real damn shit right here. Indeed, indeed. And, and, and a link to get more info on how to actually obtain your copy of Grindhouse Resurrection magazine is in the show description. Thanks, as always, to the intracoastal man of mystery, the Archbishop of Bi-Amplification, Milt Keynes technical assistance and so on and so forth over there. Pleasure as always. And uh, you can add to that good vibe by uh, joining us on Patreon, helping out the cause to produce this here show, which uh, despite its appearance, does cost a dime or two to do. Yes, you know, that's right. And if you head on over there to uh, patreon.com forward slash the Fusebox show and sign up, you'll instantly Get free swag, early show access, and uh, additional content. Not legally allowed in this sector of the universe. You could support the show for a whole damn year for less than you pay a month for those prissy coffee drinks at Aroma de Snobbo. Huh. I haven't been there. Are they good? I don't know. They won't let me in. Hmm. Yeah. Well, in any event, uh, thanks friends for pushing play on this one. Uh, why, we'd be just talking to ourselves in an abandoned refrigerator box if it not for you. I have been your board certified trainer of kinkajous for Congress. Host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. you.